Our second scripture reading comes to us from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 28, verses 3 through 25. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him, and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul had expelled the mediums and the wizards from the land. The Philistines assembled and came encamped at Shunem. Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams, or by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servant said to him, There's a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and went there, he and two men with him. They came to the woman by night. And he said, Consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one whom I named to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know that's what Saul has done how he's cut off the mediums and the wizards from the land. Why are you laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He answered, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. This king said to her, Have no fear. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. He said to her, What is his appearance? She said, An old man is coming up. He is wrapped in a robe. So Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and did obscience. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you just as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, you did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you today. Moreover, The Lord will give Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. And the Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had not eaten nothing all day and all night. The woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, said to him, Your servant has listened to you. I have taken my life in my hand, and I have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also listen to your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you. Eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. 
He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman urged him and he got up from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house. She quickly slaughtered it and she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened cakes. She put them before Saul and his servants and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, the past few weeks have been extremely busy getting ready for art and music camp with the Mars Hill mission trip. I've got a few personal deadlines coming up August 1st. Uh, It's just been a July has been an action packed month for us. So Heather and I decided that we wanted to escape and we went to, to Redbox and rented a couple of movies that we knew were nothing but cotton candy. There was absolutely no substance to them. We rented the movies John Wick and John Wick 2. And if you're not familiar with these, John Wick is a a professional hitman played by Keanu Reeves. And he's retired, but he's dragged out of retirement. And as I said, these movies have absolutely no substance, but you never know when an idea is going to grab you and you're going to use it in a sermon. And the one thing that grabbed me was there was this hotel in both movies where hit people went, and they checked in with a special gold coin, and they were safe there. No business could happen in this hotel. And at one point, John and his enemy are shooting at each other and trying to escape each other, and they both get into the hotel, and the manager steps up and says, no business, go to the bar and have a drink. And these two hitmen who minutes earlier were trying to end each other get together and share a drink, And talk and go on their way. And I thought, how interesting to sit there and break bread with your enemy. To to share a drink. To gather together and fellowship with somebody who wants to end your very being. Today we're continuing our somewhat spotty sermon series about the obscure women of the Bible. And I knew I hit on an obscure woman when I was talking with Heather. Who has a very deep biblical knowledge and said, I have never heard about that person. But today we're going to talk about the medium of Endor. And she plays a very small role. This passage is the only passage in which she appears. And if you're like me and have a geeky side to you, when you think of Endor, you think of where the Ewoks live in Return of the Jedi. But this is not that place. Endor is a, a place in Israel. And our passage takes place towards the end of Saul's reign. God has stopped favoring Saul and has begun to favor David. Saul's favorite priest, Samuel, has died, has been buried, has been mourned. And Saul finds himself in a tough situation. The Philistines are beating down Israel's door. 
They're about to invade, and Saul does not know where to go for advice. Normally he would go to Samuel, but Samuel is no longer there. So he prays to God, but God has turned God's back on Samuel because God now favors David. God doesn't answer him through the prophets, through dreams. And uh, Saul feels all alone. Years earlier, he had expelled all the wizards and the mediums from Israel. They had to flee the land under the threat of death. If they remained, if they were caught, they would be killed. But Saul is a pragmatist. He knows that not everyone flees. Some are surely in hiding. So he says to his servants, get me a woman who can speak with the dead. And they say, well, we've heard about this woman, the medium who's at Endor. And Saul disguises himself and goes to see her. When he walks in, she says, I don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to trap me. If Saul finds out, he'll have me killed. And Saul swears, I swear by the living God that I will not betray you. Just summon the person I ask. So the medium summons the specter of Samuel. And Samuel comes up angry. Why have you disturbed me? And Saul pleads his case. He says, God has turned God's back on me. The prophets don't answer me. I don't have dreams, visions. I don't know where to go. The Philistines are coming. And Samuel says, this is exactly what I told you would happen. God now favors David. God has turned away from you. The Philistine army will invade tomorrow and they will be victorious. And you and your sons will join me. And Saul falls to the ground in grief. The the medium on seeing Samuel knows exactly who Saul is. And rails against him. You've set a trap. Why are you coming to me? He could have her life ended in an instant. But as soon as he falls to the ground, her attitude changes. She sees a helpless man before him. She doesn't see the king of Israel. She doesn't see a mighty warrior. She doesn't even see a man who ordered her death. And he says, look, your servant has listened to you. I've raised the person you've asked. Now you listen to me. You must eat. You have no strength. You're laying broken on the ground. And he refuses And then his servants chime in and they finally get him up on the bed. And he says, fine, I'll eat. And she doesn't just give him a piece of bread, but she kills the fatted calf, her most valuable livestock for him. And then he and his soldiers go on their way. This woman plays a small role. But she gives Saul what was most likely his last meal. Because the next day he and his sons did die in battle. But more than that, she showed grace and hospitality to a man that should be her enemy. Here was a man that said that anyone like her must be killed if they didn't flee the land. He exiled all mediums and all wizards. She felt an attachment to her land, so she went into hiding. She refused to budge. 
But she did so under the threat of death, knowing that anyone who discovered her could report her and she would be killed. When Saul first comes, she's so suspicious of any stranger who asks her to use her abilities that she accuses them of laying a trap. Imagine that situation. Imagine living a life where you're carrying a secret where if anyone finds out, you'll be put to death. Imagine how closely you would guard that secret. Then imagine the person who's put the threat of death on you is laying helpless on your floor in front of you. What would you do? How would you react? Here's this person threatening your very life, threatening your livelihood, trying to kick you out of your home. And they're helpless, strengthless, lying broken on your floor. I don't know what you would do. I don't know what I would do. I've never been in that situation. But I doubt I would go and kill the fatted calf. I doubt I'd go and empty my savings account to buy the finest cut of beef that I can. I doubt that I would beg them to eat to gain their strength to to help revive them. I don't know that I would show that type of hospitality to them. But that's what Jesus says we should do. Peter comes to Jesus and says, How many times should we forgive our enemies? Seven times? Thinking he's being extremely gracious. And Jesus says, No, 77 times. In another part of the Gospels, Jesus said, You've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, you should love your enemy as you love yourself. And the medium at Endor shows us how that's done. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison. He did it because he fought for equal rights in his country. When he was released, it was celebrated. In 1990, here was this figure who'd been a a figurehead of the anti-apartheid movement for years and years. He was elected president. And he invited one of his guards to his inauguration. Within months of taking office, he decided to go to lunch with a lawyer who argued and prosecuted him in court and begged the court to execute him and give him the death penalty time and time again. Even at this 20th anniversary of his inauguration, he invited the head jailer to celebrate with him. He saw these people who argued for his death, who imprisoned him, who oppressed him. And he extended love, hospitality. Daryl Davis is an American musician. He's an R&B singer. He sings blues. He's played with uh, Grammy-winning bands. His father was a diplomat but could only rise so high through the ranks because he was African-American. And he wanted his son to be a diplomat. 
But at 14, Daryl Davis said, no, I want to be a musician because music can change the world. And he taught himself to play piano and he went to Howard and he became a world-renowned pianist. But that's only how he supports himself. He has given himself a mission. He started meeting with heads of the Ku Klux Klan throughout the United States, starting here in Maryland. He would have his secretary, who is white, call them and tell them not to tell him his race and to set up a meeting. And they were shocked when they met him. When they saw that it was an African-American man who wanted to meet with this grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. And he's been to numerous Klan rallies and he's met with clans all across the United States. And he said he did it because he wants to understand where they're coming from. He wants to find common ground with them. And at least half a dozen prominent clan members have left the clan out of their friendship with him. He's even written a book, Clandestine Relationships, about his desire to welcome these people into his home, to get to know them, to find common ground between them. And as a result, they're both changed a little bit. This is what Jesus calls us to do, to to love our enemies, to love those who would harm us, to offer them hospitality. One of my favorite stories, one that I've shared with some of you, one that I shared in Mars Hill, is about Julio Diaz. In 1990, he was walking home from work, going along his normal path, when a young man came and pulled the knife out on him. And he said, give me your wallet. So Julio reached in and gave him his wallet. And he looked at the young man and said, aren't you forgetting something? And the young man said, what? He said, it's cold. If you're going to be mugging people all night, take my coat too. And the mugger looked at him like he was crazy. He said, I was just on my way home from work. I'll be home soon. I'm going to my favorite diner to eat. Would you like to join me? And the young man was even more confused but said, well, yeah, sure. And as they walked, Julia said, you'll have to pay. You have my wallet. <laughs> and they went and they sat down and everyone was speaking to Julio, the waitress, the manager, the busboy. And the mugger said, what, do you own this place? And he said, no, I'm just here a lot. I know everyone. I'm kind to everyone. As they neared the end of their meal, Julio said, I'll tell you what. You can keep my coat. You can keep my wallet. You can keep my money. Just give me the knife and promise me you won't mug anyone else tonight. And that man was touched by Julio reaching out. That man was touched by Julio showing forgiveness. By showing grace. And he slid the knife across the table. The medium of Endor is not a major character in the Old Testament. She appears in these 22 verses, and that's it. But she shows us the way we should live. She shows us how Christ calls us to be. Christ knows loving your friends, your family is easy. But loving your enemies... Loving those who would mean you harm, that's a whole nother ballpark. 
But Christ never promised that following him would be easy. And Christ calls us to another way. Christ calls us to a place of radical hospitality, of radical grace. Of welcoming friends, of welcoming strangers, of welcoming enemies. One of the most famous parables is the parable of the Good Samaritan. About the man who's attacked on the side of the road. And it's the dreaded, hated Samaritan that comes to his aid. The Samaritan that no self-respecting Jew would have anything to do. And no self-respecting Samaritan would have anything to do with a Jew. But that's who helped this man. That's who knelt down, treated his wounds, took him to an inn and paid for his room and board and care out of his own pocket. He said, if that's not enough, I'll be back in a few days to check on him, to pay for him. We all remember that parable. We often forget why Jesus told it. Jesus told it because a young lawyer was testing him was trying to put him uh, on his guard, trying to trick him. And he said, the commandment says we should love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But who is our neighbors? And Jesus pointed to the man who would normally be an enemy, to the Samaritan. Friends, Christ calls us to another way. Christ calls us to live a life of radical hospitality, of radical grace, of forgiving not seven, but 77 times. And we see this lived out in the medium of Endor. We see this woman whose very livelihood was put at risk, whose life was under constant threat. And when she's faced with a chance to find freedom from that threat? She doesn't. Instead, she welcomes her enemy into her home. She aids him. She kills the fatted calf for him. She shows him the grace and the hospitality that Christ shows us and that we're called to show for friend and enemy alike. Amen.